Grid Forward Chats is supported by ITRON. Thanks for your support to make our discussions about grid modernization and energy innovation possible. Today, Bryce is talking with Hans Kobler, the managing partner at Energy Partners. We're going to talk about evolving energy marketplaces and the strategies needed to best take advantage of them. Hope you enjoy season two. Take it away, Bryce. Welcome to the next episode of Grid Forward Chats. Today with us, we have Hans Kobler with Energy Impact Partners, EIP, to those of us who know them in the industry. Hans, thanks for being on. Pleasure being here. So Hans is a founder and managing partner at Energy Impact Partners. They're a global venture capital firm, and they focus on investments across the energy and grid landscape with a number of utility limited partners. So they have a very unique uh, vantage point in the industry. Hans, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, how you landed there at EIP, and, and then we'll get into a little bit about what the organization's covering. Sure, pleasure. pleasure. So Hans Kobler, founder, managing partner. I've been in one way or another in the energy tech world for more than 25 years. Started my career here in the mid nineties uh, at GE, where we were one of the first ones to explore corporate venture capital and learn the benefits of uh, uh, of having industrials behind you when you help those startups grow. And I ran back then the energy tech group, uh, working with power systems, industrial systems, and GE research. And fast forward, we started EIP on the same principles that we developed at GE, but rather than working with uh, the GE divisions, we worked with utilities to to help us navigate this fascinating, exciting landscape but also tricky landscape that is you know maybe a little bit harder than in some other sectors and uh, uh, you know started with vip in 2015 with a dozen of utilities back then southern excel is our core first ones that gave us uh, trust here and but today we have about 40 utilities and industrials uh, that that we work with and we cover the landscape globally of the key building blocks for the energy transition from from early to venture to growth to credit and infrastructure and doing that now with 40 industrials that include uh, you know people from the built environment from mobility who realize that working together it's easier to 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 manage those challenges great but before we get into the details we started our podcast in the pandemic unfortunately we're still in the pandemic now about two years in how are you how is the team there how are you all managing and and doing the work that you're doing in this dynamic times that we all live in. Yeah, good. I'm in the office today. We actually moved offices. We're in a new office that uh, 15 months later, we haven't moved in yet. So we, we it's the longest renovation probably in the history of offices. Um, and uh, it's it, it has its pros and its cons. In, in, a, in a way, you know, we just had a strategy discussion. In a way, it's... it's uh, it, democratizes our approach. We're fairly distributed. We have five offices, you know, 70 people that are uh, in different locations. So getting all on Zoom, they feel great. Uh, they feel great about it because they are treated equal. Um, cutting all the travel allowed us to be more proactive in in uh, doing more deals than we have done before COVID typically. And, and we touched more of our partners who we normally visit, you know, once a year or twice a year and have uh, very frequent discussions with them and, and the, the flip side is it's it's tough to bond as a team we hired 20 people during that period some of them we have not met in person 
And so we, we are eager to get together. We're eager to meet with our partners. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, we'll probably end up with some hybrid approach that uh, we do more online, travel less. But uh, when we get together, we, you know, we, we make it worth it. So you all had a very significant close for a fund. I think it was late last year that I saw the release. Can you talk a bit about that and what you're looking to achieve? Yeah, that, that was our second North American flagship fund. Uh, we set a target of 750, we're way oversubscribed. We ended up with a billion dollars for that. So it's a giga fund technically. Um, and uh, and that, that one is a, a continuation of our strategy of looking for those, you know, leaders or potential leaders in the segments that matter and you know go and and look for them together with our partners screen them and then afterwards go go to work and scale them uh, so we're very excited about that one we actually uh, we are already almost 70 percent invested and reserved on that fund so so we're off to a good start we have 20 i think 20 investments already and and, and see a lot of interest a lot of capital coming in i've been as i mentioned doing that for 25 years so uh, I was very lonely for 23 and very busy in the last two years when everybody is a climate tech investor. But uh, um, th that fund is, is allows us to stay ahead of the curve with enough size because the deal size has got a lot bigger and the, uh, you know, the, I think the opportunities got a lot bigger. So I certainly don't need to have you rattle off your portfolio or your full investment thesis, but what is EIP interested in? What's the strategy? Where are you guys placing some of the bets that you're investing in? So, so we, we are a specialist investor focused on the energy transition. That's all we do. The climate, the climate change enabling the net zero global economy. And for us, that means three, three big themes. One is the decarbonization of supply. Uh, the second one is the electrification of demand. Uh, and the third one is that hard part in between to make sure the two connected because we have two highly intermittent uh you know poles here where the the wind doesn't blow the sun doesn't shine and then you have the dc fast charger going on putting the same load as 70 households uh, turning on the tv at, at the same time and you throw all that on an infrastructure that is you know under duress in a way and under attack by a, an environment that is becoming more vicious with wildfires and storms. And uh, in an environment where we face after 25 years of flat de demand, suddenly that will double over the, you know, over the decades to come. And, you know, we, our research team did some work in with, with a fully electrified net zero economy could in the Northeast could be as much as three, four or five times as much peak power. So, that, that hard part in between is one that gets us almost the most uh, uh, excited about. I mean, you have uh, grid as a theme, right? So that's that's where I think a lot of attention has to happen. Uh, and uh, and it's the natural ones that you put more wires in the ground, that you put more storage in there and bring hydrogen. But it's also making it a lot smarter to 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 you know to to shave off the peaks and make it. A, more reliable, digitized, and cyber secure. So those are kind of the three big themes that that we pursue, and uh, we're almost agnostic to what asset class there is. So we we have made investments where we were the first investor early seed. Uh, we've put money into companies with hundreds of millions of revenues, and we have provided credit for them. But that's our world, and that's where our partners are really coming in to pay attention and give us an edge. 
and that's certainly our ecosystem. So we'll get into some of that. But in general, it, it seems that the landscape for fundraising has gotten a little bit better these last few years, as you had said, maybe a little bit more crowded. Um, how would you say that investors are maybe taking advantage of this right now? What is the what does the landscape look like for, you know, and what sort of outcomes do you think that the current wave of funding might achieve? Yeah, I, I like your understatement here with a little bit better is you, know, you, you are, I think the overall VC landscape had a record year last year, just with a massive capital influx. Our particular sector, climate change, net zero, had a, an unprecedented gangbuster year. It was, it was literally a magnitude, sort of magnitudes different. And it started when the public markets realized that, you know, this is not a niche, climate change or net zero is not a niche topic limited to the, you know, utility world or the oil and the oil and gas industry. It, it literally affects the entire industry. We have partners that are from the insurance industry, from the built environment, who all are, you know, the airlines, they're all thinking, about what does net zero mean to me? Because if I don't have a plan, then I'll be in trouble in, in the years to come. And what that does is it creates the biggest investment opportunity of my lifetime, where you know, you know, McKinsey had a report out there, I think a couple of years ago, they said three to five trillion dollars for the for the annual investment requirements in the net zero economy, and they just amped up that number. So an incredible amount of attention is being paid to that transition starts with the public markets uh, for the first time our our you know portfolio companies in our in our sector have access to the public markets you know I, I i used to hold trainings for our partners on corporate venture capital and i used to preach that you know we got to be more conservative because you know in the last 20 years there were 10 ipos that i can remember and half of them failed afterwards and in the last two years we probably had you know more than in the, in the decades before so the the public is realizing that the private markets have raised mega funds uh, you know with five six seven billion dollars going after that and i think that will transform our industry for the decades to come great so as far as the pipeline of innovation are, are you seeing a ramp are you seeing a stall, what does it look like from your vantage point as where, as far as maybe not necessarily air quotes, game changing solutions, but some of the interesting capabilities that you guys have visibility to, how does it, how does that landscape look these days? The, the, the landscape, you know, we traditionally focused on more proven technology and business models. That was the flagship fund predominantly is focused on. Um, and there are many technologies out there that are ready to scale that are getting a lot more attention um we have recently seen the um a lot of uh, the research labs the you know the innovators out of the universities getting a lot more attention for the harder problems to solve those bold ideas that have a meaningful significant technology risk whether that's hydrogen whether that's you know long-term seasonal storage uh, carbon capture th those tougher challenges that we need to get for the last 10, 20% of de decarbonization. And uh, w what has changed in the last few years is suddenly there are more capital is available. It used to be really RPE and DARPA and, and sort of more the you know, less profit focused financing sources providing that, but we, we, we see a change here. And that I think is good for the overall 
industry. Great. Well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about some of the wider dynamics out in the market and the industry. You all are one of the main investment firms that has funds coming from utilities, grid operators as limited partners. Um, the traditional distribution utilities and, and many of the energy providers in North America in general, they really invest limited equity in the innovation ecosystem. So how do you think this this impacts their ability to keep pace with the change? What does it look like as you all partner with them and the investments that they're making in this landscape? Utilities and a lot of the industrials, I think we have a renaissance here of corporate venture capital per se, if I, if I start with that, because a lot of a lot of them realize that you know corporate venture investing is a great way to learn about opportunities and threats that's how we you know started doing that at ge you know back in the in the 90s i remember when power systems tried to talk to an innovator it often took them four weeks to get an end in the ea in place and then four weeks later they told them you know about about you know half of what they wanted to say and when we said hey we got venture capital give you you know, how about we talk and within one hour they told us more, right? So, so it's, it's an incredible tool um, to learn about opportunities and threat. And more and more corporates are jumping on the bandwagon. Um, you know, about a third of our partners, we have 40 partners today, you know, as I mentioned before, from the utility background, but also oil companies. You know, we have enterprise car rental, we have tech giants, we have data centers, we have built environment. Uh, many of those increasingly, um, increasingly uh, build their own venture arms but then they come to us as a as a you know as a partner in that to provide you know almost like a, a force multiplier uh, where we have you know just a bigger reach and and can work with them uh, to to make that happen um, and you know the other two thirds they just outsource it basically to us which is a more elegant and probably a more cost efficient way to do it but the the the, the venture world is the most effective way to to learn about opportunities and threats screen suppliers you know that in particular is, is high highly important for the utilities who uh, have you know they want to make money yes but they have a foremost responsibility to keep the lights on right to provide clean and reliable uh, affordable electricity so so they have to be more careful in how they experiment uh, with uh, with with those suppliers so us uh, screening them uh, using this collaborative approach of partners sharing their experiences, their pilots, reduces the risk of innovation in a way and accelerates. And they still will do their own pilots because they have, you know, that's just their DNA. Uh, but it, it it really advances, that makes it faster and, and takes a lot of the risk out of it. And maybe a follow-on to that, what, what kind of appetite do you see from grid operators and then, as you had mentioned, your wider corporate partners to invest in, in real breakthroughs in modernizing the system? Oh, the, the world has changed. No, no, we, we've been around here for quite some time, right? So the world has changed a lot during our uh, operation as, as EIP. In the beginning, you know, we had to overcome a lot of skepticism of uh, corporates that were burned in the past that, that, you know, that tried it by themselves and had to, you know, realize the shortfalls of uh, corporate venture capital. If you don't do it right, and you, know, you could lose a lot of money. Um, and uh, and so we overcame that. Then our partners were some of the first to actually get out with net zero goals and carbon reduction goals before it was popular. You know, Excel was one of the first ones to come out. Many of our partners have, are really leading the way in setting the in setting those goals. Microsoft, uh, you know, dedicated an entire arm, uh, venture arm to 
uh, fund to impact uh, reduction. So, so I think we, they led, uh, in many ways, led the way uh, before it, before it got popular um, here. And and today, uh, they 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 remain engaged. We, you know, uh, it's it's beyond the capital commitment that they give to us. It's really their personal commitment to dedicating their experts to work with us on sector analysis, to work with our portfolio companies. And probably most critical for our portfolio and for us is, in addition to giving us money to invest, they want to do and work with our companies. So the amount of pilots or connections that we made with our portfolio and our partners has gone up almost exponentially in the last couple of years. And and the more they get used to trusting the process, the, the, the easier it becomes to uh, to 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 make those connections, right? For example, we have a new fund focused on deep decarbonization called the Frontier Fund, and one investment we made there is a company called Form Energy, which does provide for long-term seasonal storage, and uh, you know, and they look for pilots, and those are pretty steep, you know, th 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 those are not chump chain pilots, they're big big efforts, and uh, and you know, within a very short period of time, we we have literally several connections happening here of uh, partners that are eager to do things. So I, I think the mindset has changed, has evolved in the last couple of years um, you know, for many. And you know that's also the reason why we added another 20 corporates to, to work with us. Great. Well, there's no way we have a chance to even you know fully scratch the surface on the dynamics in the industry now, but maybe we can cover a few. So I think I'll start on aggregated DERs. So you had mentioned kind of the role that the grid's playing, and this is certainly one of the very hot topics right now. Um, do you think that there's really going to be an increasing capability in this space where more nimble and flexible distributed resources are able to respond at scale and have a role in the system? And, and do you have folks that you're kind of excited about in that realm? Yeah, I mean, the aggregated DR, that goes back into that middle part that I was describing before, where we have to somehow deal uh, with uh, uh, with the peaks and the valleys uh, of uh, you know the decarbonized supply and the um, electrified demand, and uh, you know you can use chemical storage, you can build more wires, you can overbuild uh, supply, or you introduce a lot of smarts um, in in the system, and you know we whether that's linking together millions of thermostats like we have done with our partners in the company called Ecobee, uh, whether that's getting better data that you uh, need to manage the process with a company like Innowatts uh, that, that we have, um, or by putting in a lot of intelligence into those devices. You know, in the EV charging stations, we are in Ed Energy, the second largest North American um, EV charging company that is very utility friendly and wants to work with them and to find solutions how to uh, aggregate and manage this distributed uh, load in the homes and in the in the public fast chargers or EV Energy, a company we have investment out of out of uh, Europe that is focused on um, managing that software for the uh, residential customers as well. So so that that sort of intelligence is absolutely critical because it probably ends up being the cheapest form of storage or generation if 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 you think it if you actually think it through, right? A series supporter of Grid Forward Chats is ITRON. 
ITRON provides utilities in more than 100 countries with multi-purpose industrial IoT network, software, meters, and sensors, helping them automate their operations, improve grid reliability, and deeply integrate diverse energy resources. Learn more about building tomorrow's active grid at itron.com. So on resiliency, a wide and hot topic right now. We got snow falling across half the country. Last month, we had devastating wildfires in Colorado. And last year, I could you couldn't go six weeks without something, you know, really disrupting the grid. You know, with regards to adding uh, firmer capabilities on a more resilient uh, system, what what are your thoughts about the trends that need to get some more attention and, and the solutions that need to be deployed? Do you have some interesting companies that you all are working with on that front? Yeah, resiliency speaks to that second and easily neglected uh, mission to be reliable. You know, you need reliable energy. And as you pointed out, it gets a lot tougher. I, you know, some, you know, I live in New York, we got a big snowstorm, we had some trouble here. And if anything, the weather is, it's going to get worse, as I said in the beginning, right? Because the, the more we put this highly intermittent load, uh, the more we put renewables on the system, I think the stress gets worse, and the weather doesn't get better. The weather patterns are just, you know, uh, getting worse. So, so I think people need to think through a lot about uh, resiliency. Uh, storage is one part of that. Uh, but storage, you know, you have to build a lot of storage to, to to compensate for longer uh, disturbances here, you know, uh, we we have in our portfolio one particular solution we are super excited about a company called Enchanted Rock. They they provide you know uh, you know microgrid as a as a service almost in a, in a way they they use a very clean natural gas replacing all those diesel uh, you know dirty diesel generators that are needed to to back up uh, to back up uh, you know in California. And, uh, and they, they not only have a great product, but they have a great business model where they give it away as a service. They can trade back uh, when the power is expensive. And, and it's, a, it's a natural, efficient and very clean solution to back up things like, you know, microgrids in homes, uh, hotels, supermarkets or data centers. And so that, that's one company that we are particularly excited about. We've been the first and major investor with them for now. Uh, four years have seen them on their journey and they're doing really, really, really well. If you ask the Texans when they kept warm, it was AGB letting them in and then they were powering that uh, back then. So on another topic, you all have invested in some really interesting advanced technology capabilities for the grid. Um, Describe it or lump it however you'd please, but maybe I could ask you to think about the advanced analytical capabilities coming onto the system. How are we better able to leverage and utilize the data that we're starting to swim in if if not, you know, certainly increase the capabilities for having better visibility of what's going on in the system? Is there any excitement that you have, you know, or really around the digital transformation, the analytical capabilities that you think we can better run our system on? And again, feel welcome to drop some companies if there's some interesting ones. No, no, absolutely. I mean, to make this new reality work i think we need to digitize a lot more we need to get better data um and uh, we, the data has to be secure which is another you know uh, secure from cyber attacks i think that's another one to say we were in opus one we just sold it to ge so they were they were doing some good works here you know what i mentioned before they uh, i think is a, is a good example here um you know uh, another exciting company is a company called sense you know they come from a wonderful technology background and they put now a lot of 
uh, intelligence into the meter and into the breaker box that allows just better planning and and better better management. Uh, so so those just a, a couple of examples to to think through going power factors. What is easily neglected is the more we digitize, the more it will be important that this entire system is cyber secure. We already, as an industry, I think a prime target for foreign adversaries. And the more we digitize, the more risks we introduce into the system, right? Colony and pipeline, I think, has showed us that. So one of our major efforts uh, here as a, as a firm and as a coalition of companies, utilities in the front line is to to think through how do we make sure that digitization pro process as we introduce the intelligence uh, is cyber secure. So, you know, one of our exciting companies here is a company called Tragos. Uh, again, one we were the first investor in 2017, OT cybersecurity. Uh, they, they, you know, they have tremendous traction, started out with our portfolio. Now it's really broad industry-wide. Introduced a sharing platform called Neighborhood Keeper, um, and so they are, you know, one that makes us, uh, you know, we are really excited about. But we have a, a number of interesting plays here. A company called Swimlane uh, helps, uh, you know, on the cyber training side. So cyber and digitization for us go go hand in hand, and I think we, we got to keep keep looking at both. Awesome. There's a lot of conversation, obviously sparked by the administration that's trying to you know, focus at least 40% of their infrastructure dollars on, on communities that really need to see these benefits the most. Um, but as you think about the transformation of our energy system and let's say an acceleration of innovation coming onto the grid, you know, what, what sort of work do you see uh, ensuring that these values and that uh, the evolution of our system really accrues benefits to the most vulnerable in our societies. Do you have any thoughts around that? I don't know if you have any investments that directly address this, but any perspectives on that topic? Well, the, the start, the start is to make sure it's affordable, uh, reliable, right, uh, uh, for, for, for those communities. And you know, I'm German originally. I just come, come, come back from their struggle. They managed to move towards net zero without much progress and driving the power prices through the roof, which puts a burden on all those vulnerable uh, communities. So I think that's just uh, for most of our partners here. It's just you know job number one is to to keep keep making that happen. They care at least from the the ones that we are working with, our core partners. They 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 really have an incredible commitment to to you know to their communities to their most vulnerable communities. We launched a fund called Elevate Future Fund that is focused, for example, on uh, increasing you know, diversity in our broader ecosystem, helping those communities, raising, uh, you know, giving the chance to uh, companies that are either led by diverse talent or that are focused on helping diverse talent. So there, there's a massive commitment that most of our partners participate here and allocated some of the capital to make that happen. So that's a, a topic uh, dear to their heart, dear to our heart. And uh, I think it's a reflection of the attitude of, 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 of the industry here. Um, but it, it boils down to, again, job number one is to make sure that it stays uh, you know, reliable and is affordable for those community. Because if that falls, I think it, they are hit much harder than the folks that can afford backup generators and you know, uh, et cetera. Right. Well, it's hard to have uh, favorite children when you invest in so many different companies. And, and you've mentioned many of the ones that, that we're familiar with. Um, but I just scrolled through your portfolio. 
Is there anything you'd want to share? And this is a very diverse mix of companies, but is there anything you'd want to share about GridX, Palin, AutoGrid, Clevis, Greenlots, Proterra that we really haven't been able to cover today that you just think is worth covering? Right. It's a good list. Uh, you know, GridX is a amazing company they they allow much more flexibility on the billings uh, on the billing side so we're very excited about them uh, that's a journey that we started a couple of years ago a power is one of our newer investments which probably addresses one of the most critical pain points of the industry like storage is the one i mean we have form energy which is a long-term storage uh, power is just has a, an incredible solution for uh for you know utility scale storage and you know, is very well received in our part. It's probably poised to be in one of the fastest growing sectors in the industry. Uh, so that is definitely worth uh, for your the listeners to have a have a close look at. Uh, so you know, it's uh, one of our new investments out of the second of the flagship fund, uh, but uh, we are really excited about it. And uh, but you you hit some of those key topics right the. The digital infrastructure, payment system, storage, EV charging, like Ad Energy, those, those would be uh, certainly very high on our list. With Dragos on the on the cyber side, worth looking at. We're almost at our time, but I wanted to drill a little bit on. Oh, I guess you could call them milestones or exits of sorts. You mentioned IPOs being pretty active this last year. Lots of SPAC momentum, including in this space. You mentioned Opus One and their GE acquisition. You mentioned Ecobee, who. Uh, Generac also got in Bala. So there's kind of a lot of activity, a bit of a, a buzzing hive here on this front. What would your kind of thoughts be as you take a crystal ball and look forward? Do you, do you see more cons- consolidation? Do you see more of a vibrant investment ecosystem? What's your, what's your thoughts on that front? Yeah, I, I think we're in the first inning of an incredible global transformation. So, you know, the capital coming, I, I mean, the exact numbers in the, the amount raised it just sets new records by a factor two or three compared to the years before and it's just the beginning uh so i think we see uh it's a little bit like the early stages of the internet except a lot bigger where literally every company every sector has to have their story for their net zero and you know the public markets are swinging big time towards climate everybody is now a climate investor so it puts so much pressure on the on those big firms to do something which opens incredible revenue opportunities and opens the public market. So, so I think the the world of the next 20 years is very different from the last 20. And it's an exciting one. It's, you know, some people make a lot of money. Other people will learn the hard way that our industry is a little bit more challenging, that you, you know, cannot FedEx those electrons, that the laws of FedEx are not very uh, forgiving and the regulators have a great deal of say. But uh, I think we have an exciting decade ahead of us. So utilities, and I guess you could say large incumbent corporates as well, they're diligent in their planning, they're structured in their process, and therefore often they can be slower to make decisions. But can you share a little bit about, you know, with the resources that they're putting into innovation and and partnerships with, with earlier stage growth companies, do you see the culture of innovation changing? Do you think a culture of innovation being more core to their capability of the organization is something that's really important for these entities going forward. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen a great shift already uh, in, in, you know, in the last five, 10 years. I mean, I've been working with utilities uh, going back 25 years and, uh, you know, there was always the, you know, the the joke that a knee jerk reaction takes probably, you know, three months uh, to happen. 
I see it with our partners who who really embraced innovation. Innovation is the key word. We write it on our really on our walls. Um, they they uh, in the last seven years of working with us, they have uh, set up, expanded on their innovation teams, uh, which is a dedicated team. But they don't make it an ivory tower. So we have, for example, the research group of about fifteen people who work with hundreds of their sector experts to get them involved. And our partners, they want us to reach into the organization, to learn from them, to bring learning to them, but also to change the mindset, to to say, okay, how can we adapt to this world? They start to realize that some some of those you know, software developments that we looked at in the early days, they say, oh, we can do that. But then they they look back and say, yeah, but to be frank, it will take us five years to get to roughly where they are today. And five years from now, they will be in a completely different spot. So I, I, I think there, there has been a, mind, a complete mind shift to say, let's open the doors to learn from other people, learn from each other, which we, again is what I said before, this collaboration element is, is critical, but also to embrace and bring new technologies and ideas from outside into, into the orbit. And the way they're doing it uh, with us is they have dedicated teams that are, we call them ambassadors or kind of the medium between our insights, our portfolio and the underbelly of the organization. Because at the end of the day, you need to get out of this ivory tower and need to have the, you know, the, the people in the, in the trenches uh, embrace it. And we see more and more of that happening. You know, I, I think to give you the numbers, we have, we just uh, finished a, a, a what we call a working group is a four month effort where we analyze uh, a sector uh, methodically, you know, on deep decarbonization. We had 213 participants from 14 companies, uh, seven countries, four continents spent four months talking with us, talking to each other, looking at companies together. And, and that, that, that is something that I think is a reflection of the willingness, the eagerness to innovate. Well, Hans, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, to hear these updates. Thank you for the work you're doing. We're certainly hopeful that the environment stays this uh, positive for the innovators that are out there trying to drive uh, change on the system. But uh, we, we appreciate you joining on and sharing your insights. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Take care. Take care. Thanks again to our supporter, iTron. If you're interested in Grid Forward membership and our work to accelerate grid modernization and energy innovation, including the backlog of our podcasts, visit us at gridforward.org. And if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Thanks.